Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And today on my 22nd episode, we're going from cleats to white coats with future MD and former Calgary Stampeders quarterback, Mr. Andrew Buckley. How's it going, Andrew? Doing very well, thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for being on. I'm super stoked to pick your brain today. Um, you know, just kind of getting into things here. This podcast was kind of, uh, it kind of happened by accident, kind of an, an organic kind of thing that just kind of happened. And uh, as I was building it, uh, guys like you were the kind of people that I definitely wanted to have on to talk and, and you know, hear your story and, and learn from you guys that uh, the players that I work with, the people that listen to this podcast can really gain some great knowledge. So again, awesome to have you on. Um, Andrew, if we can just start with your childhood, if you kind of want to talk about growing up, where you're from and, and all that good stuff. Born and raised here in Calgary. I uh, spent most of my childhood living on a farm. So I grew up working with my grandpa on the farm as much as I could. And uh, probably around, geez, let's say fifth grade is when I really had the urge to play football. And I, I kept bugging my mom and trying to get on football teams. And uh, eventually she found a team for me that was in the city and she would drive the 30 minutes every, uh, every direction to take me into football. And that's kind of the story of how I, I got involved in football. And it, uh, you know, I never left the city to play my football. It's been, uh, you know, peewee, bantam, midget football here. And then uh, got lucky enough to play high school football and then recruited to play with the Dinos here. So it's been my whole story right here in Calgary. So how old were you then when you first started to play? Oh, geez, I must have been about 12 years old. And I I remember trying to play earlier than that, um, probably the Adam football age, which is sort of 8, 9, 10. Um, and I remember asking my mom all the time, but she just couldn't find any football teams around. And then finally, I think we're just driving by a, a, a billboard in town and there was an advertisement for the Calgary Minor Football Association. And so finally I was able to uh, make, my, make my way onto a team, really. And were you always a quarterback? I actually started out playing mostly receiver. Um, I I always looked up to my dad. He was a football player growing up, uh, and he was a tight end. Okay. Um, so I always wanted to play receiver. We'd play catch in the backyard, and he would take me through all the route trees. And um, so I was running button hooks when I was about ten years old, catching the passes. Um, and then my first football team, I I tried out. I wanted to be a running back just because that was really the only position I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and Growing up as a Stampeders fan, we had, uh, I think it was Calvin Anderson was our running back at the time, and he was my favorite player. Um, so I go to the first tryout, and I'm easily the smallest person at the tryout. So they said, all right, we're just going to put you out wide where you can't get hurt with the big kids. And I ended up playing slot back wide receiver my first year. Okay. And then you transitioned to quarterback afterwards? It was kind of a like a flip-floppy situation. So the the player, uh, or there's a player a year older than I was who was the quarterback before me so I would play receiver when I was in the younger age bracket and then when he moved up to the next level I would bump up and play quarterback so we we kind of flip-flopped like that until high school um and then even on my high school team I I wasn't slotted in as a quarterback until um I was sort of pushed into the role because I was just by chance better than one of our our grade 12s at the position so um although growing up I wanted to be a receiver but I just happened to be good enough at quarterback I guess that's fair. And, you know, speaking of your high school career at Rondo College, you were able to win uh, provincial championships in 2009 and 2010. Can you speak on your career at uh, Rondo College and kind of like 
Talk about, you know, some of the players and coaches you're with and the memorable moments. It, uh, it was honestly an awesome experience. It, uh, going through Rundle College, when I started there in grade 10 on the football team, um, I think the team had only been around for two years, maybe. Uh, so it was a very new program and got started because one of the, uh, the principal of one of our cohort schools was uh, a former university football coach and he really pushed to have a high school team. So uh, he brought together three of these smaller schools uh, in a bit of an umbrella program and we were uh, tier four. So it's the smallest uh, school category in Alberta. Um, and we, we ended up putting together really competitive teams as we we're going through. Um, and so my grade 11 and grade 12 year, we ended up winning our tier four provincial championship, which was pretty uh, special to all of us. Uh, and we had a really good team, you know, for a, a school with a graduating class of, I think, 88 students, uh, boys and girls, we put out, I think, five CIS players and one went down to the NCAA. So we were uh, very, very talented for a, a small school. Um, and a lot of that is due to some incredible coaches that we had where I think my grade 11 and grade 12 year, every single one of our coaches had at least uh, university football experience. Um, we had two guys that had coached uh, at the university and professional level, one or two guys that had great cup rings coaching for us. So it was uh, a pretty special coaching staff for such a small, obscure, random school, which was uh, outstanding. And, um, nothing but good memories coming out of Rundle, uh, really tight even to this day with uh, the head coach or the former head coach of the Rundle team. Um, we're still playing seven on seven football against each other, which is pretty exciting and have done some uh, travel tournaments to Kelowna and things like that with his team, which is cool. Cool. And kind of speaking of, you know, the seven on seven thing, um, were you able to play anything, you know, in terms of provincial team or selects or seven on seven kind of at that high school age? I wish I could say I did. Um, all the way growing up, I was uh, trying out for teams like that, the, you know, U16 teams, the U18 teams, but I was never quite good enough. Um, I had a few coaches tell me I was too small. A few say that I didn't have the arm strength or wasn't a fast enough receiver. Um, so all the way growing up, that was kind of the story was that I, I was okay, but not quite good enough for those provincial teams. And then finally the first uh, sort of all-star team or selects team that I made was the Alberta senior bowl team coming out of high school. Um, and that was a really cool experience for me just because, uh, like I say, I had tried so hard and so long to make those teams. And finally coming out of grade 12 was when I was just sort of hitting my stride and I was able to, to crack the roster of one of those. You know, that's a tremendous story for young people to hear, young quarterbacks to hear that to get where you have gotten in your career in your life in terms of football and, and, you know, to struggle like that and to keep persevering, I think is, is awesome. And, and again, awesome for, uh, young quarterbacks, young players to hear that want to follow in your footsteps. No, I, I appreciate that. It was, uh, like I say, I, I was sort of a late bloomer. And when I started in grade 10, for example, I was, uh, the starting quarterback of this football team that was a sort of mixed junior senior football team. Uh, starting at five foot six, 110 pounds as the starting quarterback on the senior football team. And it was like every game, there'd be one or two hits where I would just get crushed. But, you know, the old story, you just keep showing up and keep putting your neck out there. And, uh, you know, sooner or later, good things happen. So it was uh, one of those things that it just took me a while to, to get there and hit my stride. But when I did, uh, good things happened. Back at it for the second quarter with former Stampeders quarterback, Andrew Buckley. So, Andrew, I um, I have a little bit of a connection to Calgary. I have an uncle that lives in Calgary. And uh, way back when, 2001, when I was just a young guy, 
I had an opportunity to play for the Calgary Colts junior team. It was kind of a brief experience, but I really liked the city of Calgary and, you know, all that that brings. You know, you made a decision to attend U of C, uh, go play for the Dinos. Were there other schools of interest and, and kind of what led to that decision? So coming out of high school, for me, the only thing I knew was that I really wanted to play football. Um, what was going against me at the time was coming out of a, a small school like Rundle College where we were tier four. So we didn't get a ton of recruiting buzz. Um, I know speaking with some of my friends that were going to the larger high schools in Calgary, they were getting you know weekly recruiting visits from different universities across Canada. Um, and the only one that I really got was from U of S who was actually coming to look at one of my teammates. So I just sort of jumped in on that and tried to get my name out there. Uh, so coming out of high school, for me, the only thing really was uh, I'd basically go and play for anyone that would take me. Um, I didn't necessarily know whether that would be university or junior football, but uh, I was just preparing to play somewhere. Um, and it ended up you know, really wanting to play at UFC just because it was my hometown university. My dad played at, uh, with the University of Calgary Dinos in the late 70s. Um, so it was just sort of a cool connection that way. Uh, and I actually ended up getting lucky by meeting the former quarterback coach of the University of Calgary Dinos just at a summer camp I was at. And he sort of got me linked in with the program and put my name out there uh, in front of Blake Nell. Uh, and that's really what got me to the Dinos. Um, but, you know, maybe a funny recruiting story, actually. I, in grade 12, I was sending out my highlight tape and I sent it to a guy named Greg DeLaval, who was the University of Toronto head coach. Okay. And I sent it to Toronto because they were the worst team in the country. I didn't really want to go there, but I just wanted to test the waters about sending my tape out there. He got back to me within about you know, two or three days. And he said, hi, Andrew, I appreciate you sending your film. Um, at this point, we think you're you know, too small, don't have the arm strength to play quarterback at the CIS level. And I was thinking, oh, great. Like the worst school in the country just declined me. Like I'm not going to have no chance. And then at the same time, I was talking with the University of Calgary Dinos and Blake Nill. Uh, and then, you know, maybe three weeks later, I go in for a recruiting visit with Blake Nell to sign my letter of intent. Mm -hmm. And who walks in the door but Greg DeLaval, who just got hired on as the uh, offensive coordinator at University of Calgary. And he just sent me the email turning me down. So I saw him and I, I heard the name and I was thinking, oh, shit, like I'm going to get cut first day at camp here. So that was uh, a bit of a funny story that I tell. But, uh, <laughs> one of the upper battles. <laughs> yeah, that's super ironic that that happened. Uh, how about like referencing the early days being at UFC, what did you, um, what did you find like the most challenging in terms of going from being a high school quarterback to being a university quarterback? I think most challenging was just how much talent was out there. Like when you think of starting on a high school football team, there's usually only, you know, one or two guys in the school that can throw a ball. Well, when you get to university, there's, they've spent hours and hours recruiting kids across the country who can sling a football. And so there I was my first uh, training camp with the dinos and I was eighth on the depth chart. There's eight other guys in front of me that were all good quarterbacks. Some had come from junior programs. Some had come from big high schools. We had a few high school players from the States that came up. Um, so it's just, you know, the talent that's out there is hard to compete against and you really got to be uh, determined to stick it out and, you know, play the long game. If you're, if you're going to compete, it's, it's hard to go and compete in your first year when you're, uh, you know, a little bit smaller, less experienced than some of the guys that have been there a while. So uh, just uphill battle, lots of bodies in front of you. And then you have a tremendous career. Can you talk about that career and just in terms of the players and the coaches along the way, guys that stick out to you? Yeah. It, uh, when I look back at my time with the Dinos, it really was, um, like a, a team that was just wrought with talent. Like everywhere you looked, we had guys that were next level ball players, whether that's CFL players or even some NFL players. 
Um, so it was so cool coming in, especially as a young guy into a high school team where the year before I got there, we, I think the Dinos went to the Vanier cup, uh, with Eric Glavik as their uh, quarterback. Yeah. Um, their current quarterback had just won rookie of the year in the country. Um, they had players that, um, I think there was like six CFL draft picks that year. So it was really cool coming into a program with that sort of uh, reputation. Um, and then all the way along, it was like, we bring these guys in at their first day of training camp. And these guys were huge recruits that you could tell right away that they had something special about them. And, you know, one guy that really stands out to me is a guy like uh, Eli Buka, who came in from CJEP in Quebec, who he came in on day one. And this is when I was just going into my third year as a quarterback, came in on day one. Um, and our coach said, oh, he's going to play some receiver, like probably uh, going to slot in at quarterback sometimes too. And I was thinking, great, like another like wicked athlete. And then we go and we're running 40s that morning. And he runs a 4-4-40 uh, laser time, like Whoa. just no warm-up sort of thing. And I was like, holy smokes, like literally at every stop, they're trying to out-recruit you. And so it was that constant like mindset of competition. And I think of some other guys, like a guy like Rashawn Simonice, who went down and played with uh, with the Bengals for a little bit. And we had um, Lyndon Gaydosh, who played with the Carolina Panthers and, you know, and a host of linemen with NFL tryouts. So it was, it's so cool to just see the guys around you and be friends with those guys and, you know, buy their team jerseys when they landed with another NFL team was uh, pretty damn cool. Yeah, that's super cool. But, you know, to speak about, you know, athleticism and speed, when I was doing some research on you, I got to watch a little bit of your highlights from, from your UFC days. <laughs> and you know what? You, you, you got a couple uh, QB runs, well, more than a couple, but I like, there was one, there was one highlight I saw that stuck out in my memory. It was, uh, it was like a jet action going to your left and it looked like quarterback power going to your right and you pull the ball and take yeah. off. And it like, um, that was an electric run, like a very impressive. So I, I didn't realize, I knew you were a dual threat kind of guy, but I didn't realize you had that kind of get up in you. So uh, I appreciate that. And you know what? I truly didn't recognize that was a part of my game until that season where I, I think back to my high school highlight tape and I don't have a single clip of me running the football because it was just pass first, pass first. And I, I would never cross the line of scrimmage. And then um, our, my offensive coordinator at the time, Greg DeLaval put in that, playbook for Eric Dulesky, who was the quarterback before uh, he broke his foot and I, I took the starting position. Um, they put that in for him because he was a speedster. And then eventually when he went down and I took the job, I was sort of just thrust in to run it. And I learned to myself that I had pretty good wheels going up the middle. So yeah, it, uh, it took a while to find that skill set. But once I did, it, uh, it really expanded my game. It was very impressive. And, and speaking of your high school highlight tape, I also watched that. Uh, and, and you're right, you, you were in the pocket a lot. Well, actually, you were on the move a lot, but you were throwing from behind the line. It looked like, looked like a lot of max protection and, you know, little uh, oh, yeah. sideline routes and whatnot. But uh, it was impressive as well. So, um, you know, getting back to your UFC days, uh, as your career unfolded, you were able to take home a lot of awards and accolades along the way. Uh, you know, can you speak about some of the awards that you received and maybe what what which one of them meant the most to you? When I look back at it, it's completely mind blowing to think of what I was able to take home. And I think largely that's just a tribute to the people I had around me. But, you know, amazing coaches that put me in a position to have team success and individual success. And then players all around me that you just took eyes off me. I think of you know a guy like Mercer Timmis, who he had an amazing university career, amazing pro career with Hamilton. Um, but sorry, he was one of those guys that deserved so much more recognition than he got, even at the university level where as a running back, he was so strong and so powerful that 
when I when I did a play fake to him, for example, he'd take two linebackers out of the way and just completely open things up for me. So it uh, some of the awards, it, it was hard to you know win those as an individual in a team game, but it was just truly a testament to the guys I had around me. Um, if I think of one of the awards that I'm most proud of, it would probably be the Russ Jackson. Um, just because it's it's one of those awards that's not necessarily what you do on the football field. It's it's something that I've prided myself for a long time is uh, being active in the community and giving back to the community and uh, you know pushing myself with school. Uh, and that's an award that uh, really recognizes those qualities. And uh, again, I, I go back to Greg DeLaval, who really pushed me uh, in my first year. He mentioned, you know, I think you have a shot to, to win this award if you can really push and, and go for it. And, um, it. That wasn't the reason I went for it, but it was just something to have in the back of my mind, something to strive for at the end of a, a five-year career. So I was uh, very lucky and humbled to win that one. How about, uh, you know, can you talk about maybe some of the most memorable moments that you had in your career at the Dinos? I think if, if I were to point out one key memory that I'll, I'll remember till the day I die is um, going in 2014, we were playing Western in the national semifinals. Um, and we were... At that point, the youngest team in the country, we sort of stumbled our way through Canada West and won uh, Ken West. Um, and then here we were playing Western, who was number one rankings in the country the whole year. Uh, they had, you know, sort of the superpower Heck Crichton winning or Heck Crichton nominees. Uh, and it was sort of a David versus Goliath story. And all week long, the media was asking, you know, how are you going to keep up with Western? How can you outscore Western? Blah, blah, blah. So going into that game, I think it was minus 27 huge wind chill and we came out there and we smoked them like i think we beat them by you know 25 or 30 points or something like that and nobody expected us to uh and it was just such a memorable memorable game because of uh you know just the the pregame leading up to it was completely stacked against us we were able to play at home in these terrible conditions which you know as much as it sucks being there playing in that it makes it so much more memorable uh, and then it was the game that vaulted us to the Vanier Cups. Okay. Um, and just so many things were were special about that game. Back at it for the third quarter with Andrew Buckley. So, Andrew, you know, pretty cool. You were drafted into the CFL by the Stampeders. You were the number 62 pick. You know, some might say Mr. Uh, Irrelevant. What was that draft day experience like? You know, what did it feel like to be selected? Um, that was an outstanding day. And the coolest part about it for me was that I wasn't expecting to get drafted. Um, I would followed several drafts beforehand and there was no Canadian quarterbacks drafted. Um, so I was really thinking that, you know, as a quarterback, don't expect to get drafted. If you get a phone call later, uh, as far as a free agent signing, that would be cool. So I basically went to our team draft party. Um, knowing that I'd be going there, cheering on all my teammates, like, you know, a guy like Sean McEwen, who was expected to be a high draft pick. Uh, Sook Chung was the same thing. Um, so I was going expecting to cheer them on. Uh, I think we had six guys picked in front of me, um, and we were winding down. Everyone was cleaning up at the party, and people had sort of left the building by then. And just as the last pick was coming up, um, our team media manager at the time sort of looked over at me, and his eyes got big, and I was thinking, what? this is weird. Like, what's going on? And then I see my name flash up on the screen and I was thinking, holy shit, like I just got drafted. And it was to the Stampeders, which made it so much cooler. Um, so it was just like total celebration, like lights and fireworks going off in my head. And um, it truly was a dream come true, even though, you know, I think 
the fact that I was sort of Mr. Irrelevant last pick of the draft made it that much cooler because it's like all hope had faded. I was just sort of ready to celebrate with my buddies. And then, you know, sure enough, seeing my name flash across the screen was unreal. I, uh, you know, took the five minute trip down the hallway and went and saw the coaches uh, in the Stamps locker room. And um, it was it just such a cool day. So cool to be drafted into the CFL. I can't imagine what that was like. There is sort of a, a negative perception or stigma sometimes talked about being a Canadian quarterback in the CFL. I'm interested, did you face any kind of negativity just because you were a Canadian? It was certainly there and it certainly felt it. Um, it all in all, the coaching staff was amazing about it, um, but it was there for sure. You know, whether it's just talks about the ratio where there's a certain number of Canadian starters on each side of the ball, that's present. And then even as a quarterback, um, for example, one of the first days that I was in the uh, the Stamps meeting room there introducing myself to some of the coaches I hadn't known, um, one of the coaches in his introduction sort of under his breath, I heard him say, ah, just so you know, like, I, I hate Canadian quarterbacks. I was thinking, oh, great, like, it's going to be hard to make this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but by and large, people were, were great. I did my best to make them, you know, really not consider my passport at all as you know, whether I'm Canadian or American and just can he throw a football. And so that was, that was my goal was just to go out and prove everyone wrong. And uh, certainly had a lot of supporters in my corner with the stamps. Um, and I think of guys like uh, Mark Mueller, who was, uh, he was the running back coach at the time I was there, his former CIS quarterback with the Regina Rams, who uh, an excellent guy to have in the, in the locker room because he'd been there, he played and now he was coaching at the highest level. And, uh, Huff and Dickey were obviously amazing uh, coaches and really did their best to support me. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you can feel it. It's there. It's a, by and large, coaching staff that's made up of Americans. And I think that um, that's part of the sort of ongoing stigma, whether it's overt or, or not so obvious. Uh, it's, it's part of it. Yeah. You referenced John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson, obviously, uh you know, running the Stampeders. What was the atmosphere like? What was the, what was the you know the environment like to be a Stampeder and be in that locker room? It was amazing. Like learning from Huffnagel and Dickinson, they were two of the smartest football minds that I've ever been around. Um, with uh, Dave Dickinson in particular, like there's not many men I respect more than than him. He's such a tremendous leader, an awesome coach, good communicator, uh, and he just consistently puts the team first and puts the team in a position to win. Um, ultimately, I think he's a huge part of why I was drafted to the Stampeders. He uh, had seen me enough in university and I helped coach at some of his camps. And I think he knew who I was on and off the field. And he uh, ultimately, I think, went to bat for me. So uh, I really do appreciate learning from him and just the atmosphere that the coaches put us in there was uh, was outstanding. Um, the locker room itself was uh you know, just judging by our track record, getting to two great cups in the two seasons I was there, it was a, it was a winning locker room and a winning environment. Um, and being there, learning from Bo Levi Mitchell and uh, being under him as a as a backup was amazing. He's proven himself to be a winner time and time again. And it, uh, it was cool to be a part of a team that, uh, you know, that really pushed for the top. One of the things about playing in the great cup that's a really cool stat that you have is that uh... – you're the first Canadian quarterback since Russ Jackson in 1969 to score a touchdown in the Grey Cup. So kudos to you, man. That's that's pretty impressive, pretty cool stat to have. Oh, I appreciate that. It, uh, for me, I, I remember someone telling me that after the game, and obviously at the time, extremely upset with how things turned out in the Grey Cup. 
Uh, we came so close and just couldn't uh, couldn't quite do it. But to hear that and you know to have a bit of a personal connection with uh, Russ Jackson, having met him a few times at uh, you know various college football functions, um, it was just cool to be mentioned in the same breath as him. Like he's uh, such a legend in the Canadian football game that uh, to just share my name on a piece of paper with him is is pretty amazing. Absolutely, one of the greatest to ever do it. And then after two seasons of football, you make a pretty big life decision. You were accepted into med school at uh, UFC. You decided to retire. What went into that decision? That was, you know, up until this point in time, probably the hardest decision I've ever had to make, um, especially coming off two amazing seasons where I had, you know, climbed in the depth chart from third string to second string. And I was, uh, as far as football goes, I, I feel like I was just reaching my peak. So I, I feel like, as far as regrets, that's maybe my one regret was to see that um, I, I never quite got to show my best football. Um, but at the same point, med school was, was something that I had my eye on since I was, you know, in 12th grade. Um, both of my parents are doctors. And so there's been a lot of, uh, you know, positivity as far as the healthcare field growing up. And I, I certainly saw them and uh, they were amazing role models as far as what being a physician uh, could be like. So it was something, you know, honestly, a dream that I've had longer than it was to play pro football. Um, for me, pro football was more of a door that opened an opportunity that I decided to run with and take. It's not something that I anticipated happening when I signed up to play for the Dinos, for example. Um, and after that second season with the Stamps, I decided to put in an application to medical school uh, and see where that got me. And it was my third time applying, actually. So I'd been rejected to med school twice before. And when I got in that third time, we had just come off a, a second Grey Cup loss, and it was, um, you know, where I where I saw the rest of my life going. And so it was sort of one of those moments where I had to make a big grown up decision and live with the consequences. And it was an amazing decision. I, I don't necessarily regret it. It's been amazing. I've loved med school, and I was also able to have an amazing pro career. So I'm, uh, you know, really happy and proud of the way things have turned out. I really love the insight that you share about that decision and kind of, you know, talking about, you know, maybe a little bit of the downfall. I can speak to, you know, just watching you from when you were getting in in, in games in your two seasons there where, you know, I remember talking to some of my buddies when we were watching and we were like, this guy can play in the CFL. Like, he can start for a team. So it, it is unfortunate that maybe you weren't able to do that because I think you had all the ability. You totally showed that. We all saw that. Decision for your future obviously outweighed that. And I can completely respect that. Talking about the aspects of the game of football, you know, what did you take in terms of what you've learned from football into being in med school? I, I think the biggest thing that I would say is that you don't become a good football player without tremendous preparation. Um, whether that's in the off season, in the weight room or on the track, trying to get bigger, stronger, faster, or in the weeks leading up to each game, it takes a remarkable amount of time and film study and, uh, dedication to learning the new install packages to be a good football player. Uh, and that's no different than medicine. Um, I certainly have a lot of really, really smart classmates uh, in my med class. And I knew going in that I was not going to be near the top of the smartest people. But my my only goal was to just show up and work hard every day and be one of the hardest workers. Um, and I, I think I really got that from football where my whole career, I was not the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. I didn't have the, the greatest arm. Um, and I wasn't the walk-on starter on any of the teams that I played on. Um, so all through football, I had to really show up, put in the extra work and grind to earn the, the time on the field. Uh, and that led to success in football. And 
for me in medicine has been no different in order to to get through the rigors of med school i've had to just continually prove to myself that i'm a, a hard worker and dedicated to reaching that end goal and i think that's ultimately how how i was able to get through med school i love that you know you just speak about the grind and just keep moving forward right i was thinking about obviously playing quarterback at the university level playing quarterback at the pro level a lot of pressure right and uh, just comes with the position, comes with the territory. In terms of taking that into your career, how do you think that that's going to benefit you when you're really on the job? I think the biggest thing is just learning how to manage expectations. And certainly that's a huge thing as a quarterback where if, for example, you're in the huddle, it's third and 10 and you're trying to get that first down. And, you know, some of the guys in the huddle, they'll be trying to rile everyone up and get everyone excited. And some guys will be trying to calm down. And as a quarterback, you're the person that has to manage the huddle and manage everyone's expectations and uh, sort of focus the energy going into a play. Um, in the healthcare world, it's no different. You've got, you know, you'll see, you know, 10 to 15 patients a day sort of thing. And your whole goal is to manage your expectations and really help guide their care as best as possible, whether it's a, an acute situation or just a routine clinic visit. It's really about guiding expectations as far as their health and the outcome. Um, and I think that's one thing that my football background will really help me out with. You're talking off camera about uh, you just being in some interviews for residency. I'm interested. What are you planning? Uh, what are you doing for your residency? So I just got accepted to the Rural Family Medicine Program in Comox out on Vancouver Island. Okay. Uh, so my plan now will be a two-year Rural Family Medicine residency. Uh, and then following that, it's... You know, the beauty of rural family practice or family practice in general is that there's a ton of flexibility with what you do. Yes. Um, I'll get great experience with addiction medicine, uh, obstetrics and maternal care, uh, surgical experience. So I, I can really do a lot of things with that uh, family medicine um, residency. And, you know, right now, early on, one of the things that would pique my interest would be doing an additional year in sports medicine training. So I could uh, potentially work with a few sports teams and even, you know, I think it'd be pretty darn cool to go back and work with the dinos or the stamps one day. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. And, you know, speaking of family med, that's kind of cool. Uh, somebody real special to me is also in family med finishing up her residency. And uh, she was kind of giving me some some questions to ask you and, you know, helping me out on the side. So, uh, you know, pretty cool. Going back to the decision uh, to leave football and, and chase your dreams uh, in medicine, is there something that you miss the most about the game of football? I, I think the biggest thing would probably just be the locker room and being around the team. Mm -hmm. um, when I look at my favorite experiences with the Dinos, with the Stamps, with any high school team I was on, it's just, you know, goofing around with the guys in the locker room. It's, uh, you know, ultimately when I, when I think of being a, you know, 75 year old, it's not going to be the games I miss. It's not going to be running in a fourth quarter touchdown. It's just going to be spending time with the, the teammates and, uh, you know, whether that's celebrating after a big win or just being there for each other after a loss, it's, it, it's a special bond that you almost can't get anywhere else these days. And that's something that I probably miss the most. Back at it for the fourth quarter with Coach Gies and Andrew Buckley. So, Andrew, uh, you know, the CFL season's been delayed potentially right now. Uh, there's talking about an August uh, August start date, but obviously things are still, you know, up in the air. What are your thoughts on the current state of the CFL? Oh, it's, it's a bit of a tough situation for the CFL right now. I know one of the biggest problems with the CFL is that comparing it to a league like the NFL, financially, it just doesn't have the same margins. And, 
it's a league that really requires butts in the seats at the stadium in order to uh, to get by. And with what's going on with COVID, it's it's hard to fill the stands. Um, so ultimately, I am a little bit worried about the CFL and the fact that it's continually getting delayed. I think everyone from players to coaches to management personnel really wants this game to keep going and wants the, the CFL to start soon. And uh, I give them credit for doing their best to get things rolling. But it's uh, the longer they wait, the harder it is. Uh, the harder it'll be to have a successful season, at least in the, the 2021 year. Um, I think all of us want it. I think we need football. Absolutely. We all miss football. We all need football. And I hope they find a way to be able to play this year. Obviously, there's a lot of talk, too, about this whole CFL potential XFL merger. Honestly, I'm not a huge fan of the idea, but, uh, you know, maybe that's just being a homer Canadian. What What are your thoughts on that? And uh, do you think there's any positives that could come? Uh, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I think my gut instinct is that I'm not a huge fan of it. I think the best part about the CFL is that it's uniquely Canadian. And I think ultimately we need to make it more so. We, we just need to emphasize that the CFL is a Canadian game. It's been here as long or longer than the NFL. We've got uh, a unique style of play. We have our own Canadian players and we need to uh, really amp that up and make it more so that so there's more of a you know Canadian pride towards playing CFL. I think if you can build that pride as far as being a Canadian league, you'll have more kids wanting to grow up and play football and play in the hometown league. And so I think, uh, you know, when you have a big merger with the XFL, if I was a young guy growing up, seeing that, I think in my own head, that would make it seem that much more unattainable to play in the CFL. And that's the thing. I've talked to a lot of people about this recently, obviously been a hot topic, but you know, there's different opinions on it. And then I did have, uh, you know, one person that talked about that he thought it was going to be a real positive thing. It could really help provide more opportunities for Canadians and for us not to necessarily look at it like a negative, but uh, I'm very worried about the potential merger in the sense that we may lose our Canadian ratio like you're saying, I also totally agree with you in the sense that I feel like the worst case scenario, like if the CFL was full of Canadians from watching CIS U sport football, it's so exciting. There's so much talent out there. And I totally agree that more Canadians, if they were in the league, that the quality would be just as good. It's our game. That's what we've grown up playing. And again, just like you said, in terms of young guys looking up to, for an opportunity, it's there in front of them. They can go to the games they can see it live. Uh, you know, I, I'm in total agreement with that. Switching gears here, the NFL draft took place about three weeks ago today. Uh, obviously, lots of quarterbacks being drafted in the first round. Of those QBs taken, is there one guy in particular that you think maybe, you know, in the future, let's say five years from now, is going to kind of be the elite guy? And why do you why do you think that guy will do it? I have to admit, I've gotten a little out of touch with the NCAA this past year, just focusing on school. but. Mm. Watching the draft, I think the one guy that's going to stand out to me is probably Mac Jones. Um, I saw him slip a little bit from where he was potentially projected, but purely the fact that he's going to the Patriots, we know he's going to have excellent coaching. And I, I'm not sure how much Bill Belichick sits in the quarterback room and it will be talking or mentoring him, but the team's proven to put out quarterbacks, whether it's Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, they've got a good quarterback room. And so I think Mac Jones with his, uh, physical abilities. Uh, he's a quarterback similar to Brady. If they can have a system that's going to benefit him, I think, I really think good things could happen. You know, he's, he's proven that he's done well at the college level and he's landed on just about one of the best coach teams in the NFL. So, you know, he could, he could be a guy to, to watch for sure. 
Yeah, I think his his fit to the Patriots is pretty natural, pretty smooth. I agree. Yeah. Obviously, very similar to Brady. Uh, I like the fact that he's you know he's a pocket style quarterback. Not that he's not athletic, but he's really yeah. what the NFL quarterback typically is. So I I, I agree. I think he's going to have real good success. Um, how about the whole Aaron Rodgers saga? Him you know potentially you know wanting out or not so much. Who knows what's going on? What do you what do you think about that? Is he going to get traded? I think. If I was the Green Bay Packers right now, I would trade him and get everything I could for him. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that he's voiced his displeasure being in Green Bay so many times. As a coach, I'd never want a player playing for me who didn't want to be there and didn't want to put everything he had into that team. Um, even as a teammate, too. If, if you've got a guy who's continually spouting that he doesn't want to be there, he doesn't believe in the talent around him, blah, blah, blah. I think it's like, you know, why would you want to play with that guy as your leader? Right. Um, Ultimately, yeah, I would I would trade him for as much as I could get for him, and you know whether you take a loss on that one or you know you rely on your backup, that, that would be where I'm inclined to go. Just because, again, I would hate to have someone playing for me who didn't want to be there. Yeah, and I can speak to that as being a coach. You know, not necessarily that I had a quarterback that didn't want to be with me, but when you have players that are disgruntled and they don't, you know, don't have the greatest attitude, it's hard to work with them and. Uh, yeah. I, again, I agree with your statement about just, you know, not ha- having people like that around you. I'm not too sure what's going to happen with that. It, it definitely seems like he's trying to force his hand and, and his body language at times is, is really brutal. You know, like he's, he's so talented, but his attitude to me just comes across so negative at times that uh, I'm not yeah. the hugest fan. No, I couldn't agree more. And how he, how he conducts himself off the field with the media and voicing his displeasure. And then, like you say, his body language on the field, it's like, here's a guy who obviously doesn't necessarily believe in the teammates around him. He's openly put blame on them. And it's like, I, I just, I, I think they've got to have a better solution than that. And trust me, I believe he's one of the greatest quarterbacks in the game right now, but with what's going on, I think that you could save a ton of money as far as your salary cap by getting rid of him and finding someone that can do an okay enough job to get the team by and, and really support the team instead of just being the one man show. Absolutely. We were talking a little bit off here. I, I run quarterback camps, obviously I uh, have my own Academy here in Winnipeg, train a lot of QBs, uh, high school, junior university. You've done some coaching as well. Can you uh, speak about your coaching experiences? Yeah. So for me, it really started when I was a university player uh, with the Dinos. We put on summer camps every year uh, and we'd, you know, as, as the quarterback, I would coach quarterbacks through uh, Pee Wee Vanta, midget, high school, football age, uh, all summer long, which was really fun. And then um, finished my time with the Dinos, played a few years with the Stamps there, and then got into medical school. And I was thinking immediately that I'm going to have this huge void of football in my life that I need to fill. So I contacted uh, Ryan Shin, who was our head coach, or sorry, our offensive coordinator with the Dinos at the time, uh, and asked if I could come back and volunteer coach quarterbacks. Uh, so through medical school now, I've been one of the quarterback coaches with the Dinos football team um, and just finished up, I guess, would have been year three with the Dinos. And it's been an amazing experience. So rewarding. I love coaching. We've had uh, an amazing group of coaches, unreal group of players. And uh, certainly being involved in the uh, 2019 Vanier Cup team was yeah. a dream come true. It, uh, it was so cool being there and finally winning one as a coach. Absolutely. Actually, something that's kind of cool, a little connection I have to you with that is that uh, two players that played for me at the Winnipeg Rifles, Andrew Ricard and Hayden Nellis, obviously were on your uh, team at the Dino. So very cool. It was pretty cool for us to watch them win the Vanier Cup and just for your team to yeah. to get it done, right? 
Unreal. Yeah. It was uh, such a rewarding experience, you know, especially as a, as a player having come up short uh, in the Vanier cup and then losing two gray cups with the stamps, it was, uh, felt like you had a monkey on your back sort of mm-hmm. thing. And to go and uh, even though it wasn't as a player to contribute to the team's success as a coach was uh, so rewarding. It was one of those experiences that uh, I'm, I'm so glad I put in the time and went, uh, you know, those long days of school and then, three or four hours of practice was uh, taxing, but hundred percent worth it. And I do it again in a heartbeat. Oh, again, I love the grind and I love the passion for the game of football with the guys that you're coaching. And for the guys that are listening here on my podcast tonight, the guys that I work with, what kind of advice can you give a young quarterback that's coming up that, you know, wants to, uh, wants to, you know, follow you in your footsteps, wants to be a professional quarterback one day. What kind of advice would you give that guy? I, I think to boil it down to one line would just be to keep showing up. Um, that whole season on the dinos, it was like, I, I showed up at training camp, like I said, eighth string on the depth chart. And basically I, I was going to show up until someone told me to leave. And it was, I got through training camp and we had quarterbacks come and go and no one told me to leave. So I just kept showing up, kept putting in the work. Uh, and by the time training camp was done, I was third on the depth chart. And then we started the season. I had moved up to number two on the depth chart. And it's just, Put in the time, be there, be the guy that just always shows up early, uh, last one to leave the stadium, and, and good things will happen. Whether you've got natural talent or whether you're you know, just a grinder, I think the biggest thing that someone, that someone needs to get to the top is just that grit and willingness to put in, put in the work. Um, fo- football is one of those games where, uh, especially the quarterback position, where you can only get by on natural talent for so long. Um, and for me, it's one of those guys who I, I never believed I had natural talent. I, I would just every day of the summer put in two hours of work. Um, and I could see that it was more than my teammates and I was making leaps and bounds above them in the off season. It's, it's just that continual time and work to build the skills that's going to get you there. And one of the most rewarding things is if you're one of those grinder guys is passing someone who has the natural talent, pass them on the depth chart and finally, finally get your chance. And, um, that's what I live for is, is sort of one of those grinder players. Oh, that's awesome. I love, again, the insight into kind of your mindset. And, you know, if you make small incremental steps every day, right, those things mm-hmm. add up. And exactly what you said is that you end up passing the next guy that doesn't work as hard, right? And he could even be more talented. But if you make those steps every day towards your goal, you know, good things will happen for you. So I love that. Um, you know, to finish off today, Andrew, I want to ask you, who is your favorite quarterback of all time and why? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I think the default answer would be Tom Brady, just because of, again, he's one of those guys who I envision as a grinder coming out of Michigan. He had basically no physical talent. He had a good arm. He was slow and dumpy and basically considered to be a career backup. And for him to go in there with the mindset that he did, which was basically like, screw you guys. The minute I get my chance, I'm going to make it work. That It's it's inspirational. It's, and he's a guy that has proven time and again that he's a winner. And he has it not because of the physical abilities he was given, but because he just puts in work. And you can see it over the course of his career where he's just gotten better. And he's you know mid-40s now, which is unfathomable to me. Uh, and he's still getting better. Um, so he, he'd be a guy that's top of my list. And I know it's an easy answer just because he's got the Super Bowls and he's, you know, got the the hot wife, but it's just like, <laughs> he's one of those guys that you look at him on paper and there's no way he should be good, but he just 
he's got a heart bigger than anyone else on the field. Talking about Tom Brady, obviously sort of similar struggle to you coming up and being doubted and, and, you know, just keep fighting. And, you know, the guy's been in the league, I don't know how many years now, and it's like still comes out and he's at the top of his game. I, I've, you know, had a love hate relationship with him for a number of years. <laughs> I, you know, and it was yeah. more, it was more the hate of just the Patriots continually winning year after year after oh. year. I'm a Steelers fan. Yeah. They were constantly beating us in the playoffs. So I was kind of tired of that. But again, I really liked him when he was young and then kind of the middle of his career, I was kind of tired of him. But now again, at the end, it's just like, wow, like this guy just doesn't stop, right? He just keeps doing yeah. it. Obviously going to Tampa and being able to do it there was pretty amazing. Um, yeah. So outstanding pick. Uh, it, it's a perfect way to put it though, is that whether you love him or hate him, you like, you better damn well respect him yeah. because he's just like so darn good. And he's, you know, proven it with the Patriots and some of the best coaching staff. And then he goes to a different team and he still does it. And it's like, he, he's obviously got something that everyone failed to see, but he, he was so determined to, to just prove it to himself that he was going to be the best, which is to me is so cool. What's super cool about this is just Andrew. It has been awesome to have you on the show today. Uh, to talk about your story, be able to give information back to the young players that are listening and uh, that want to grow from this. So again, I want to thank you for being on. I hope you enjoyed yourself. My pleasure. It was uh, outstanding. And like I said, any opportunity I have to relive some of the, the glory days, so to speak, is uh, I, I revel in it. I look forward to it. And it's, it's awesome just to relive some of my best memories. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you again. And I want to thank the audience who's listening. We just uh, broke a thousand views last week. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's good for me. So I'm happy with that. Uh, again, uh, thank you for everybody with the support. And uh, Andrew, I hope you have a good night. Outstanding. Thanks so much.